Hi, I'm Miranda Plant. I'm an actor, a filmmaker, and a mom, and I live in Tribeca in NYC. I've played over a hundred characters on stage, in television, and voiceover. But I've also played a few in my personal life as well. Join me as we explore all the different roles I've taken in life and in art. So when I moved to New York in February of 2011, um, it was the winter time. And uh, I remember my dad and I, we rented a U-Haul and we drove all of my fiance and my stuff to our apartment in Tribeca. And it used to be on a street called Park Place when we first moved to New York. And, uh, you know, it was just my dad and I with this massive U-Haul. And we pulled up and it was the middle of a snowstorm, of course, because it was February. And I remember that at the time, my dad, his, his back was a bit sore. So I saw there was a moving company moving into the same building that, that I was going to be moving into. And I just, you know in a flash of a moment thinking like we can't just leave this unattended u-haul while my dad and i both try to carry an item upstairs to the new apartment with like you know the the back of the truck open just on a street in new york city you know not really understanding um anything about the the differences of neighborhoods or anything everything was just kind of like potentially dangerous in my mind back then so um, I talked to the other movers and I was like, look, I'll, I'll pay you right now if at the end of that job you can help us with our stuff. So they had me call the dispatcher. I quickly got added to their, their day. So right after they finished um, their, their small job, I think they were just moving in somebody's new furniture, they did a quick move for us. And so we were in. We, we had all of our boxes in this place and white walls and... The interesting thing about this apartment was it was fairly big for what I would call a studio. I mean, I it could be considered a one-bedroom, perhaps. Maybe that's how exactly how it was considered, but it was an open sort of loft-style apartment because it used to be an old office building that was converted into apartments. So it was big, but you entered into, like from the front door, you entered into the bedroom. There were like six closets. Don't ask me. I've never lived in an apartment that had as many closets as that place. And then there was a little galley kitchen, um, you know, a similar sized galley bathroom, and then a big open living dining space with two teeny weeny little windows at the side, like barely enough light to put a put like it was barely enough light to survive on, and it looked directly into another office building. But anyway, it was an apartment. It was an apartment building, um, and. Uh, I remember just being like, we made it, we did it, you know, boxes everywhere, we had pizza on the boxes and, you know, whatever else, right? Um, I did not have any working papers. I did not have a U.S. driver's license. I did not have really any U.S. documentation whatsoever. My husband was the one who had the, the visa to go and work at the company that he was going to work for. Um, so I had nothing. All my stuff was Canadian, no job, no job prospects. I was non-union in every sense of the word back then. And uh, yeah, I, I had to figure out a lot and I had to figure it out fast. So 
Um, as I mentioned in, in previous episodes, you know, I used different casting websites, Backstage, um, Actors Access, Mandy.com, Voice123, basically anything that where I could submit myself to audition. I also used Playbill.com to search for those Broadway auditions and attend those equity non-union calls or open calls. And I went to those, but you know, those were not, that was not an everyday thing. Maybe going on my computer and submitting that way was an everyday thing. And then of course, reaching out to every agent that I could possibly, you know, reach out to every theater company that I could possibly reach out to. Um, I mean, every week I feel like I must have sent 50 emails, you know, at least. But anyway, um, I, uh, I was scared. <laughs> I was scared of New York because I didn't really know anything about New York, um, much beyond the way that it's romanticized in films and Law and & Order. And although I very much liked the way it was romanticized in Nora Ephron films or television shows like Friends, I very much did not like how it was represented in Law & Order. So. I pretty much was terrified to leave my apartment and I had to force myself to leave the apartment. Um, I had to force myself to learn how to use the subway system and I had to force myself to learn how to navigate around the city and discover the magic that just inherently lives in New York City. So one of the ways I would do that would be I would, if I didn't have anything going on that particular day, um, I would walk for 20 blocks in any given direction. So I would walk north from where I lived 20 blocks and see what I could find and, you know, find whatever whatever things I, whatever little magical corners I, I would find. And then I would walk home because I would know exactly how to get there. And slowly but surely, I began to grow more confident in my navigational skills and feel more comfortable you know, getting around and exploring the city. And those were, those were such like, oh, there's nothing better than just walking in New York City and finding what you're going to find because you really will discover things that delight you that you didn't even know delighted you. Like I remember one time I walked north and I hit Chinatown and I found this amazing lighting store and it had neon lights and like all different colored light bulbs and I'm sure it had um, gels and it was just a visual feast. I didn't know that they made different kinds of light bulbs in so many different ways. And, you know, there, of course there were like Christmas bulbs or whatever, but it was just like like a candy store, but for lighting, it was just amazing. I, I remember being like, God, I got to I gotta get some of those. I got to get some of these. Um, I remember another one that I found not too far from that shop, probably on the same little walking adventure, was a store that made only plastic. So it made plastic everything, um, and it, it was a it was a manufacturer kind of a company. So you couldn't just necessarily go in and buy one offs. But I was fascinated to see like jewelry holders, to vases, to bowls, to chairs, to tables, to lamps, to it was just oh, gorgeous. So it was like going into an art gallery for plastic. And I loved it. I loved it. I, I'm sure I got something from there. 
I can't think of what it was. It might have been a, a, a like a bracelet rack holder thing. So cool. Like a paper towel holder or something. I don't know. The whole thing was just so cool. Like lucite kind of material. Anyway, um, although this was fun, uh, you know, it also wasn't very um, productive in the traditional sense. And I, I, I needed to be productive I, I was still, I still had to prove myself, obviously, as an artist and human and person in this world, um, that I could go to New York and make it. <laughs> so, um, I, I also sort of thought about the things that I wanted to do just for fun, like even if I didn't get paid. And one of those things was I thought, you know, I love to tell stories and I love to read characters so I walked into the local Barnes and Noble in my neighborhood and they did a story time on Tuesdays or maybe it was Thursdays doesn't matter one day a week they did an 11 o'clock story time and I went to the head of the children's department and I said hi I'd like to volunteer to be a reader for your story time and she was an older woman um, with long uh, red hair that was dyed and she said, well, I'm in charge of reading the story time. You know, this is something that we take very seriously around here. But you can help me. You can hold the book for me. And then maybe afterwards you can sing a song with the kids and, you know, whatever. So I did that. I think I did that for about a year. I would go to the Barnes & Noble and all of these kids and all of their nannies come. And it, there's like a tiny little stage and I used to be a part of the story time for the kids in the neighborhood. It's just a free story time. Um, but then I enjoyed this so much that I I kind of got another idea. So um, one, one afternoon I was out walking in the seaport, which is such a beautiful part of the city. Um, and this was this was before Sandy, so it was, you know, a really different place like there used to be all kinds of shops down there um, an Abercrombie a J Crew. like it was it was a real shopping center and restaurant hub um, that changed after Sandy but um, it started to really be revitalized now so if in 2024 you you are in New York I really recommend you go to the seaport it is beautiful and fun you'll find you'll find lots of cool things anyway I on one of my uh one afternoon, I, I was walking down the seaport, and I went into the the seaport, um, the South Street Seaport Museum. It's a very cool museum. Um, it's small, but but the you know naval history and and the history of that area is just fascinating. Um, and they had a kids program on the top floor, and I uh, approached them. I think I wrote an email. I might have gone up right in person. I can't exactly remember. But I said, look, I'm an actor. I do this story time at Barnes & Noble. I would love to develop a story time program for you at the South Street Seaport. I'll do it for free. I volunteer my time. If you want, you can charge a fee, and that can go directly towards the, you know, the seaport and, and its donation. Um, but this is what I'm going to do. And they said yes. So then on Tuesdays for, I think it was maybe six to eight months, this one was a little bit less than a year, I ran this program and the kids would come in and I would create an adventure where we would have to, you know, 
go and rescue a turtle who was, you know, over on the island and then and then make sort of a, a makeshift obstacle course for the kids to climb over. And then once we got there, we would read a story about, you know, in this case, the turtle. And then we would, you know, walk like a turtle and we would sing a couple of songs. Um, and then at the end, it was free play. It was about an hour long. And it, I called it uh, Fish Tales, <laughs> the story time at the South Street Seaport Museum. And that was a really fun job. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess maybe a smarter person might have charged for that kind of entertainment. Um, and you know what? I probably would have charged for it um, if it was something I was going to do professionally or, you know, on, on the long haul. But this was not that kind of a project for me. This was really like something that was fun for me to do and to engage with the little kids like that. Um, it was like one to five year olds. And I was, I was happy to, to give back to the local museum. And it was also just a, a time too when I was finding my footing in the city and Oh, it was just something I looked forward to every single week um, amidst everything else that seemed so uncertain in this new life I had, you know, given myself in New York City without any preparation whatsoever. So, yeah, that I, I fondly remember that time um, at the South Street Seaport Museum and, and having fun with those kids.